welcome listeners, one and all, welcome to Regency Rumours, the podcast where a British-American couple recap and discuss Bridgerton, the Regency Netflix show. I'm Jordan. And I'm Kayla. And I'm getting ready to go buy you a flowy, white, see-through shirt. Nope, no, I don't think I'll wear that one. Why? See-through? Nobody needs to see that. <laughs> you don't want to be my Mr. Darcy? I, I mean... If I looked like Mr. Darcy, I'm sure that would be fine. But I don't, so no. Aw, you're my Mr. Darcy anyways. Ah, that's so sickly sweet. I mean sweet. You're so mean. <laughs> well, welcome guys. We are really sorry we are a week behind. And that is because life gets in the way. This podcast is a really fun hobby that we enjoy doing, but Jordan has a full-time job. I have a PhD. I know. And unfortunately, life gets in the way. But we do really enjoy doing these recaps. And even though, like, TV and media move away so fast from things, we're still caught up in Bridgerton world. And we're excited that you are, too, and that you are keeping up with these episodes with us. So we are on episode five, which is called... An Unthinkable Fate. Dun, dun, dun. So this is the episode where they kind of pay homage to uh, the 1995 Pride and Prejudice, uh, which is where Colin Firth wore that iconic white t-shirt, not white t-shirt, white shirt, where he comes out of the water and Elizabeth Bennet looks at him and she's like, oh my goodness. Was that I really Colin Firth? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was one of his first roles. What? Okay, so what was Matthew McFadden in? He's also Mr. Darcy, but in the 2005 version. This so they is are why two it's so confusing. Mr. Darcy, same no, story, no, 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 two different, no, no, ten no, years no. apart. No, not allowed. It is allowed. No, sorry. They both gave great performances, and in fact, one day we can sit down and watch both, and you can give your opinion on which is better. I don't think it's fair that I get told off for not knowing enough about Regency things when I've clearly seen them at some point. And it's so hard to remember because they're all the same and yet different. And yet they just hire different people to play the same characters over and over again. And it, 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 how do I keep track? Well, because they're different additions. You're supposed to get excited when, the, when a new adaptation comes out because it's a new director who's doing it a new way. And it's all like but cozy and comfortable. It, it is. You've seen two different types of Emmas and you've thought that they were both good in different ways. It's just that, a... that no, that is true. I think the strange thing about it, though, is that for me, not having uh, grown up seeing them, there's a certain sense of kind of um, kind of homogeneousness. Mm. <laughs> um, I'm not sure what the actual word is there, but there's a certain amount of sameness to the older style mm. in terms of um, cinematography, kind of how it looks. And so I do find it difficult, particularly when the colour palettes are very similar, to tell them apart. Well, and some of the older versions, because there weren't huge budgets on them, the women would re-wear dresses in different editions of things. So you would see women wear um, different spencer coats. Men would wear, I mean, the same spencer coats men would wear 
rewear coats that someone else would wear in, a, in another period drama. And so you'd start being able to see even the same outfits being worn because the budgets weren't huge. And so that's where I think Bridgerton is super unique. All of those costumes are, they are not recycled uh, in any sense of the word. They're all unique. The hairstyles are all unique. So nobody's going to be able to forget Bridgerton because it's a thing in and of itself. Where, whereas, unfortunately, a lot of the period dramas of the 2000s, they didn't have big budgets because studios didn't take them as seriously as they're taking them now. So, you know, they, a lot of them did look the same visually because you even had people re-wearing outfits. So. so what do we what do we got for the period drama news? Yeah. So if you are new to the podcast, kind of the layout of what we do is we start out with some period drama news and then we do a bit of a recap because it has been a while since we've all binge watched Bridgerton in one night. So we kind of remind you of what happens. Then we discuss some of the main points. We talk about some of the juicy relationship stuff. And then we go into a history moment where we talk about a historical aspect of the show for that episode. So for the period drama news for this episode, I am talking about a few weeks ago uh camilla the duchess of cornwall she visited chawton house which uh is jane austen's house down in hampshire and they had colin firth's iconic white shirt which is why i mention it now because we're on that episode where andrew comes up andrew <laughs> we're on that episode where anthony comes up out of the water and he's got the the white flowy shirt on where you can see through and you can see his chesticles and everything and it is paying homage to that scene in, in Pride and Prejudice with Colin Firth and so she visited the house and the, they had the shirt on display there and I just thought it was so funny because she said something like shame it isn't him here in the shirt instead which I think is so cute it's I I think it shows that even the royal family kind of are up on on these sorts of things and there's loads of of women that grew up on pride and prejudice or um they had seen the the miniseries and in, in their youth it was like this iconic moment of like oh colin firth is mr darcy and i'm i'm guessing that for someone like camilla even though she was an adult by that time that would have been her mr darcy and so I just think it was cute that she was like, oh, I wish he was here in his shirt instead, which um, which is just funny. So hmm. cute moment. And how did Charles react? Charles wasn't there, so she was saying whatever she wanted, I'm sure. <laughs> no, they, they're very measured, a very measured uh, family. But I just thought it was a, a cute little quote that she said there. So um, just to be honest with you guys, we are going to be out for a couple of weeks we probably need to address that now. We are going out of town. It's unexpected, but unfortunately, we just don't have a setup that we can take on the road. <laughs> yeah, not so, not so much. Yeah, so our unless, of course, you want the quality to go down dramatically, and we can just record on our phones, which I'm sure you don't want us to do. Um, but no, we're gonna we're gonna be out of town, and unfortunately, we just have a home studio, so we we can't record and we can't edit, um, out of town. But we're we're taking a little trip for about two weeks, and then we will come back and we'll finish up the last few episodes of Bridgerton in June, and then to celebrate wrapping up, 
We're going to have two different special episodes on Bridgerton. We're bringing two two different historians on, and we're going to talk about a little bit about season one and then season two as well. We're going to talk about scandal and tragedy and the lives of women in country houses um, and how it relates to Bridgerton. So those are some really exciting episodes. So please do hang in there with us. We've got three more episodes to recap after this and some special episodes on Bridgerton. So stay tuned. Fun, fun, fun. So the episode five recap. Kate and Anthony are in a bit of a pickle. When are they not? And we're all ready to scream, just go get a room. (laughs) So the queen wants to oversee all of the details of this messed up wedding between Edwina, who is the diamond of the season, and surprisingly, Anthony, who jumps all into planning mode for this for some reason. His planning goes haywire, however, when Kate tries on Edwina's ring in her absence, and she gets the ring stuck on her finger. Well, she doesn't try it on um the the jeweler tells her to tells her to that's because true. He, he's trying to check the size that's true but what a feeling would that be we'll discuss it in a bit yeah, yeah what a feeling that would be though to put on your sister's ring for the man you're falling in love with anywho anthony tries again to see if kate would entertain the idea of marrying him but she insists she's prepared to go back to india later on we're visiting our favorite promenade where all the best and brightest color wise are picnicking and strolling and riding around in gondolas. What a life. Kate gets in a boat with Anthony's friend, Mr. Dorset, where the two talk about things we don't even rem- we don't even remember nor do we care about because of course, Anthony and Kate are just eyeing each other, right in full view of everyone. When the boat docked, who was there to help her out? But Anthony, who is starting to cross the line with his public physical touches which kate pushes back against and then anthony falls over their cute little dog into the water in a very darcy-esque way like i mentioned before anthony comes jumping out of the water in a thin white shirt which shows us everything he has to offer we've already seen it without the shirt oh yeah this does make me miss the duke a bit i'm not gonna lie In a former episode, Lady Featherington staged a scene for her daughter and the new Lord Featherington to get caught in a compromising moment, and now the two are engaged. We're not entirely sure how that would make the girls related to him, but whatever. (laughs) Over at the dark and poor part of London, of course, Eloise attends a public lecture and bumps into the printer Theo, where it seems the two are beginning to form an attachment. Back at the Bridgertons, Kate and Edwina's grandparents, the Sheffields, have been invited to dinner to celebrate Edwina's engagement. Unfortunately, however, things go badly, and the grandparents spill Kate's plan for Edwina in front of the unsuspecting and fake engaged couple. The plan is now foiled, so Anthony wants the engagement to be over, mostly because of how he feels for Kate But again, she refuses. Kate is literally now controlling Anthony and Edwida's future with her stubbornness. The next morning, the two meet in secret, and Anthony wants to be rid of this whole mess. But Kate doesn't want to send her sister from a life of ruin, from a failed engagement. 
So she pushes Anthony to marry Edwina anyways. What hot dumpster fire of a mess. Initial reactions. What do we feel? You didn't write anything. So you're just going to have to do it off the cuff. Uh, yep. I uh, thought I had written some notes for this section and I <laughs> hadn't. So, I mean, um, I think for um, the grandparents, it was one of those things that really, really kind of hit hard, didn't it? Because there was, there was this nice moment where we're thinking, oh, finally, things are kind of going to get fixed. They're going to have this happy moment. And then you can very quickly see it all go downhill and um anthony head as the grandfather plays a fantastic villain he does um and so it was that moment of darkness in an otherwise very bright show um and so i think overall this this was obviously needed because from the beginning we've seen the two characters get close and close to this uh flashpoint where things are going to have to be resolved between Kate and Anthony. It was needed, but it wasn't necessarily like a, a nice thing, was it? So it was kind of it was one of those pivotal moments in the season, um, but one that you kind of want to get over with sooner rather than later. Yeah, my initial reactions to this episode are pretty much the same. I feel like there's so much to un unpack with this, but this is the first episode where I really feel like Kate and Anthony need to make a decision. Because it's going to F over everybody else if they don't. Like, this is now getting into a territory where they both know what they're doing. They both know how they feel. And it's been discussed about between them. And they really need to make a decision that's not going to hurt other people. Because well, I mean, they're too late. It's, yeah. it's At this point, they, they will hurt other people. And there's nothing that they can do about it. You know what I'd love to know? I'd love to speak to a historian who would really know whether or not it would be that big of a deal for them to break off their engagement. Like, I really feel like Edwina would have been fine. They make it seem as if she didn't marry him and the engagement was broken off, that somehow she would be seen as this, like, outcast from society and that she'd never be able to marry anyone else again. And I don't believe that, especially knowing what kind of money would come to her when she does get married. Like, I just... I think eh. it... it... I think it was a couple of things. I think the first would have been, as the diamond of the season, to break off an engagement would show everyone that something is wrong. They wouldn't know what it was, but they would assume that she had, you know, been unfaithful or, or caught with someone else or whatever. You know, there's no other reason. Presumably, there's no other reason why they'd break off an engagement. So just the fact that they're breaking off is like you're tainted by association in a way. I suppose. Um, um, is, I just think it's less scandal than what ended up happening. Yeah, yeah. So what would be interesting is if there are kind of historical cases of this happening, mm. you know, where there's two sisters and a and a, a man or two brothers and a, a woman. Because, I mean, uh, unfortunately, it would, it would probably play out differently depending on which sexes were involved. But One of the great mysteries that... I have never understood and a lot of Jane Austen people haven't understood is the the plot line in Sense and Sensibility where Eleanor Dashwood is in love with Edward Ferris but he got engaged when he was like 15 or 16 
and he was dumb and young and and then he couldn't break off that engagement and then when that engagement became public his mother disinherited him i think it's his mother his mother disinherits him and says if you're going to marry her then i am not going to give you my inheritance and immediately the woman that he's going to marry lucy Steele, she moves her affection over to his brother and marries his brother instead who then does get the money and i don't know how that works nobody's really been able to to pin down like oh yeah that was a thing that she could have just switched from one brother to the other but clearly it wasn't that bad well clearly it wasn't a scandalous and un unknown thing if austin wrote it in so I, I just find that plot really interesting because that was a that was an example of kind of this switch thing where a woman went up oh, the the oldest one's not going to get the money now so i'm going to switch to the younger one and she did it quite easily and then the older one was free to marry who he wanted to marry so it's just really interesting. I don't. That's really odd. I know, I know, and I've seen kind of in in Jane Austen groups where people have talked about it, and some people have given their opinion of like what they think of it and the reasons why. But I don't think we have any like historical reasons for why she wrote it that way. Like any examples that would have been like, oh, well, this makes sense. So it's interesting. Yeah, curious. I, I've I've no idea. <laughs> <laughs> So we're going to move on to some of the, the main moments. So these moments with Kate and Anthony are becoming more and more public. I don't know what in the world. That that part where he um, where he falls into the water and he's like rubbing her hand right in full view of everyone. I, I just think it's it's getting to a point now where it's disrespectful to Edwina. They They are towing the line here really badly to where if she was to see anything i don't know i i just feel like do you think that had they gone to edwina early enough and asked her to call off the engagement because of their feelings do you think she would have done it yes um i think she'd have been hurt but i think she probably would have done it the sister's relationship early in the season was very 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 strong so i don't see why they wouldn't or why she wouldn't rather I think so, too. I think it's one of those cases where Kate just got into her own head. I mean, I've done that before with, with friendships and, and things where I've overthought asking a friend for a favor or asking something from you. And then when I finally get around to it, it's not that big of a deal. Or, you know, just even finally telling someone your, your feelings. A lot of times it's easier to get it out there and for it to be over with than it is to hold it in forever and ever. Why are you smirking at me? I mean, I don't know. I'm just curious who you've, you know, admitted feelings for in the past five years or so. You were married. <laughs> right, which means that we haven't needed to do that for, what was it, six, seven years ago now? Seven, eight, five? What, whatever. My point is that it's an example of like, mm, it, it's... Mm. Sounded like you were speaking from experience, recent experience. Oh, maybe I was, and you just don't know it. I mean, to be honest, throughout lockdown, if you'd managed to find anybody <laughs> in that mess, I, I mean, it's just impressive. Right? <laughs> we're together pretty much 24 hours a day, so it would be really hard. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'd go so far as to say impossible. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, so anyway, sorry, I got a bit distracted there. So I think, no, she probably would have given way if it, if it had been early on. But I mean, they were both fighting it. 
at that early, weren't they? They, you know. I guess that like goes on to the next thing that I want to say. It's like I feel like the writers and the showmakers dropped the ball on this a little bit. This is the first time in the show where I've gone, this isn't very good. However they have crafted Edwina's character, it's a bit, there's a bit of like plot holiness to me in the sense that she doesn't see any of this going on. It's not, it's not so much that I'm bothered that she doesn't see any of it happening. It's more that her character is not well evolved enough for us to really believe she's head over heels for this guy. We don't really even see loads of moments between the two of them for us to think that. But it's like she's so in love with him out of nowhere. Their their relationship hasn't developed at all, which we don't really care about in the first place because we just want to see him and Kate together. But it makes it to the point where it's unbelievable why she would push so hard for her sister to get to know this guy even though her sister doesn't like it, for her to forego all the other choices that she possibly could have out there with her being the diamond of the season for this one guy who seems very blasé about her. It doesn't make any sense, and that's the one part so far that I've really felt like the show's dropped the ball on that. Yeah, I I know I know what you mean. I think Edwina appears very, very young to mm. me as as a character. Um, and I think that contributes to it because she falls in love with the idea of him more than with him. Whereas Kate, we see very clearly, is falling in love with the man. Yeah. And not the image. Mm. Because the image, she is um, distrustful of right from the beginning because of that whole um, wed bread, wed med. Wed bread bed wed bed bread that one so because of that whole comment thing she's been suspicious of him from the beginning and so it seems a much more real connection because they've fallen in love despite that whereas with edwina you're right it it's there's no there hasn't really been any time for them to develop so that in in a lot of ways it's kind of really sad when she's like oh yes get together and, and convince him or try hard and convince yourself to let him marry me and propose to me and then the whole time it's just pushing them closer together yeah you're right i think edwina is in love with the idea of him he's this popular viscount who is well known in all the circles he is the most desirable guy she's come over here from another country and she's the most desirable woman and she's like this is going to work simply because we are the most desirable people so why wouldn't it work uh, to be fair She's not the only person that thinks that. Anthony mm. thinks the same thing. He's he's thinking, well, she's the diamond of the season, therefore I have to marry her because she's the diamond of the season and I'm the most eligible bachelor. So it's they're both thinking it. It's just unfortunate that Edwina is the only one that kind of believes in it. Yeah. I also think hashtag just, justice for Edwina because I think they also intentionally make her a bit boring. <laughs> like the, that whole... Was it last episode where where they did the the Paul uh-huh. Mall and she halfway through was just like I'm gonna go sit down bye. But the you the know? really strange because that you know you've just reminded me that was really strange. It's almost as if she saw the connection between the two, Kate and Anthony, and went I'm gonna let these two have a moment. Do you know what I mean? Do, do you remember? Maybe. 
maybe maybe it was that but there was also kind of this as if she's a bit of a weak character like oh i i, I can't keep up so i'm just gonna go sit down and i and i i like just sitting here and watching they they've kind of created her as one of those which is another kind of regency trope we see that in pride and prejudice with lady catherine de berg's got a, a daughter or a niece who's very much like she's very quiet and just kind of sits in the corner type thing but everybody's like oh she's got to get married off because she's gonna have money one day but yet all the men are aware that she's she's like boring and meek and mild and i'm not saying that edwina goes as far as that but they have written her kind of in a way where she's like i, I don't need to be in the middle of the action i'm just happy to be here and while i don't mind that about mm. her character it does make her boring sometimes and it makes me not care what happens to her <laughs> Yeah, but it's interesting that you say that because there are other moments where she is in the limelight and she does seem to thrive on it. Um, you know, and, and also she she totally takes control of the situation after the wedding. Exactly, so, exactly, yeah. and that's I think that's part of the problem that you were saying that the writers have done her a bit of a disservice because that fi the final few moments of the the season really kind of showcase her strength. But then before that, we haven't seen any of it. Because obviously, by necessity, all of the focus has been on Kate and Anthony. Mm. It would be interesting to see if they bring her back in next season. I know they've already confirmed that Kate and Anthony will be playing kind of a, um, not a background role. I think they've made it seem as if it's going to be more than Daphne's role, but obviously less than main roles. So it would be interesting to see if they'll bring back Edwina and like give her... A bit of justice maybe find her a nice match for her because it, it would be nice to see her as more than just kate's sister i think that they'd have to be careful wouldn't they because they've been very careful this season to ensure that it's anthony and um kate's story ultimately but anthony's story and so in order to not overshadow that they gave daphne a, a major backseat if they did in season three if they did make anthony and kate kind of more of a thing then the question would be well why can't daphne be more of a thing do you know, do you know what i mean i i suppose it, it depends on how instrumental they are if i remember rightly they maybe showcase a little bit more in the books as well because it has to do with how benedict meets his wife if i'm not mistaken so it could just be that they actually need to be in there for the plot of the story Okay. So more because Daphne could have been in there or not, really. They could have taken that character out altogether and it still still would have I know, been but the I same guess result. So the difference between the show and the books though is that with the show being so popular and being so visually focused, having Daphne or the Duke in there would have taken focus away from the important things. Yeah, and so, totally. And so the difficult thing is that if you do have them in next season they would be drawing focus away from, you know, Benedict or... Uh, we, Colin. Yeah, but we, we do know it's Benedict next season, right? As far as we know, I kind of believe that there's a possibility that they might run the stories concurrently and both of them will be major things because I think oh. they don't think that Benedict is strong enough for his own season. Uh, that's just what I personally think. And so I think that they will run both stories and Benedict's will finish on the third season, but then Colin's 
will will carry on until the fourth and they'll give Colin the whole season of the fourth. That's As my well? belief. Yeah, that's what I wow. think. Wow. Because okay. it involves another major character. So spoilers. I mean, come on. I mean come y'all are watching Bridgerton. Y'all know you are stupid. So Wait. Have you really just spoiled that for me? Oh c- come on. Uh, no, no, I didn't say hey, actual words. Hey, I, d- or, I don't but care. I'm just saying you. No, you have watched enough Hallmark movies uh, uh, uh. with me to know what no, happens no, 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 no. at the end of those. Are you serious? No, D- no. Baby. You know, you know my policy on spoilers. Oh, he's so boring. He doesn't want to hear. Sp- but I didn't give a. I didn't give any spoilers. You did. I, you gave me enough information that no, now no, I no. figured it out. I gave suggestions. Oh, suggestions. And they may not. They may not match the books. You don't know. There's listeners. I am a livid. <laughs> you should see his face. He's so livid right now. Um, well, okay. I mean, that that's an interesting take. I, um, maybe no. I, if it if it is who I'm now thinking it is, that might be what they need to do in order to lay the groundwork and the foundation for it. I'm just saying, if it works out, you could give me fifty bucks. So thanks. Uh, why would I give you fifty bucks? Because we're betting right now, and I'm smarter than you when it comes to we these don't senses. have space for 50 more books i said bucks books books i'll do too thank you yeah so i think uh we did briefly mention this earlier in that kind of first impressions but the the grandparents scene um kate and edwina's grandparents who come across very antagonistic um obviously they have kind of been set up from the beginning as the antagonists because their that you know their plot is what kate is trying to avoid for edwina and that's why this whole thing's happening the way it is but in the notes here kind of we've we've noted that it was a little bit forced that the grandmother would come out with it right in front of the people that she didn't know because if they were of a certain class they wouldn't they wouldn't kind of do that yeah i found that whole scene really I don't I don't know that I would say that they wouldn't come out with that eventually, but it just seems so rushed that they put it all in one scene like one that. Scene. Where normally those sorts of things would happen over you'd meet up several times and then finally your disgruntled aunt would say something that was yes. really yeah. off color and then she'd leave and you wouldn't talk to her after that. Which is which is what happens in things like Pride and Prejudice, right? Where the disgruntled aunt shows up and it's entirely rude and she shouldn't have but there's a huge build-up to that it, uh, it doesn't start out that way and a lot of times those people would admonish you behind closed doors they wouldn't do it in in front of a massive dinner so yeah i found that a bit strange i did, did they have servants around as well i don't remember it doesn't really matter to me it, it feels like a, a dinner like that it never should have happened that way and i think the that uh edwina's grandparents if they really were of this upper class mold yes. where they were used to to going in these circles and especially if they're like oh she's she's uh snagged someone like anthony who is a viscount who is at the top of the top they would know very well to behave themselves exactly and it it would it would benefit them for edwina to to end up with him so they would keep their mouths shut because it would look good on their family and their reputation so it made no sense to me that they would have rushed this scene like this and basically ruined edwina for nothing yeah so i I think i think you're right it 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 would have benefited the grandparents socially for them to be connected to the bridgertons and so really what they should have done 
would be to kind of confront Kate separately mm. out outside of the dinner. They made it make sense because of the vitriol of of the way that their mother left to go yeah. back to India. They did have reasons for it and fairly good story reasons for it. But I think, yeah, it was probably a symptom of only eight episodes. I just think it was a very thin plot point. Yeah, it, it was as if it was, they were like, okay, we have to have it at this point because we need X, Y, and Z to happen in the next three episodes and we can't unless this happens. So yeah. let's do it now. We just have to have this happen. That being said, Anthony Head, great casting Oh, choice. brilliant. He plays such a great kind of disgruntled parent, I think. And he he also plays that almost pretty much that same character in Persuasion and in, in the 2007 Persuasion. Oh, really? He plays the father in that. And so he plays that kind of posh, I don't want to be seen with anyone who isn't of my ilk type. He He's very good at that kind of character. Yeah, I mean, obviously me being me the thing i know him from or knew him from first was uh, buffy the vampire slayer yeah and the actress um that plays edwina she they interviewed her about that and she said she was really excited because apparently she was a really big buffy fan and oh so that's she so was like, fun she was like oh i was so excited that he was gonna be playing my granddad so i thought that was really cute yeah i should have sent that article to you you'd have, you'd have thought i would have yeah that i would have i would have liked that but i mean he has such a great presence i think a lot of a lot of the um british actors in his kind of um age bracket do and i, I didn't know that he'd been in um persuasion i think that's quite interesting to know that he's done something similar before makes makes a lot of sense so Kate and Anthony's argument um, about the marriage. Now Anthony wants out because he's like, you're the bane of my existence and the objects of all of my desires. He's kind of like seeing how messed up this is becoming for all of them. And I feel like it, it's finally dawned on him what it's going to be like for the two of them long term if like they go along with this. There was a point where this was a lusty thing and it's gone be <laughs> it's gone beyond that and he's now sitting back going, "Oh my gosh, if I actually marry Edwina, all I'll be thinking about is Kate." And this isn't good. Like this is this is bad. <laughs> nah, dip. And so I think it's funny that it's just now that he starts thinking about this where like this that's happened with Edwina and Kate's grandparents. I think this is an out for him to go this is too complicated. Feelings. I want to exactly. get out of this. Exactly. That's that's all he's screaming in his head. Feelings. <laughs> I'm feeling the feelings. I don't like it. And so, yeah, he's just looking for an escape route. Yeah. And I think a similar way that Kate's trying to get out by being like, I'm going to India the second after this. Anthony is doing that in a very similar way in this moment where he's just like, can I just get out of this? And I think that he naively thinks if he can just walk away from this, that somehow he can also take his feelings for Kate with him. Oh, well, yeah, of course. that's not how that works. No, yeah, but the whole conversation he had with his mother in terms of the true love thing and all that kind of stuff that we've mentioned in other episodes, that's all he's trying to do here. He's just trying to protect the, the future feelings that he's afraid he's going to have. So, yeah, I, I agree. I think he's starting to see that the consequences are just going to be too much for him. And so he's running away. Yeah. He's just afraid um, that he's going to feel too much. He's already feeling too much. 
I think the latter half of the season becomes just about a back and forth between their feelings. He feels too much. Then she feels too much. Then he feels too much. Then she's like, no, no, you have to go through with this. And then he's like, no, no, I feel too much. And then she's like, I've got to go back to India. And so this back and forth with them, it does get exhausting after a while. Like, I think there's so much buildup the first half of the season. And it's really exciting. And they've got so much chemistry and stuff. And then the second half, it, it, it does just get hard in a way. And I know that it's probably hard to to write that as well, to, to so that was... carry that through eight episodes. Yeah, sure. And I was just going to ask you, so how do you feel that they could fix it then? You know, what what could they do? in a romance to not have that for four episodes so someone on tiktok had suggested ah the epitome of knowledge right <laughs> <laughs> but somebody and i can't remember who a friend sent it to me so i'll have to look that up but they suggested for that back and forth not to be as exhausting and for the whole thing with edwina to be a bit more believable that edwina know about the whole getting money thing that she know she knew about that that kind of thing between Kate and the grandparents but she didn't say anything okay yeah and that what what happens is rather than the the grandparents having a blow up at the dinner before the wedding that when she sees before the wedding that the two of them have feelings for one another that then she she goes and says to to Kate like are you kidding me? Why didn't you say something? Because I was just going to randomly marry this guy because I thought we were desperate for, for money. And yeah, he was nice and he was, you know, but I I was going through with this all because of you. And then Kate could have turned around and said, I was going through all of this for you. And they could have had a really close kind of sisterly moment. And they still could have had that thing where the family was trying to sort out, well, like, now how do we how do we untangle Edwina and Anthony in a way that isn't scandalous? You're right. That would have been 100% better. Yeah. That would have been way more interesting. And it would have been more convincing because we wouldn't have just thought like Edwina was some like meek sheep who was like, oh, I, I just really love him for no random reason. It would have made more sense for there to be a bit more layers to this where she yeah. said, I, I knew about the letters all along and I didn't want to make you feel bad. I, I wanted to go through with this. And the layers then are more interesting because not only does it make her seem more interesting, it makes her seem more intelligent. Yes. Because... You know, like you said, how how does she not see these things that Kate and Anthony are doing in public, uh, holding hands and all that kind of stuff? And it and it's it's as if she's willfully being dumb to the situation. Mm. And that's just no. You shouldn't ever do that to a character. It's doing them a disservice. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So if I find that, I'll I'll link that in the show notes because that person went into depth creating an entire timeline that could have worked a lot better and it made a lot more sense to me and then it wouldn't have felt so dragged out by the end of the season so because by this time like once the next point i was going to make is like that last scene in episode five where they meet up with the horses and he's like please like he he's like don't make us do this and she she basically begs him she was like marry my sister and by that point i'm just i'm i'm over to this back and forth where the two of them are trying to convince each other that him and edwina should be together because of these random 
reasons. It doesn't make sense at this point. And now we're just on like pins and needles trying to sort out what's going to happen between the two of them. So I, I was on the train for a really long time and I'm starting the train's starting to get a little like, off well, the tracks. It's funny that you should say that because I was going to say that despite what you've just said and despite the fact that I've just said it would make it 100% better I don't think that this season was bad necessarily. Oh, oh. You know? Not not at all. Right. So that's something that I think sometimes fans don't always do is recognize that something can be good just as it is as well as we could improve it if this little thing had changed. Um I'm I'm usually the kind of fan or watcher slash reader slash whatever who is more inclined to let the creator do what they want and then I get to kind of just be like and I just enjoy it as yeah. much as possible I just enjoy the thing if I'm a fan of it you know yeah um a, a really big thing with the newest trilogy of Star Wars films for example was a lot of fans getting really grumpy to say the least about how the the films were taken the direction that they were taken in people wasted a lot of effort being grumpy instead of just enjoying the films they did it with the the prequel films as well it would be like somebody watching the new emma and being grumpy at yellow just because they don't like yellow oh there was loads of people that were grumpy about the new emma right well there we go there we go those people are silly because they've they've wait they're not wasted sorry but they've they've missed out on a really good film if you just watch it yeah and it doesn't it doesn't have to take away it's not as if austin's book is burning i guess you know it it, it's still out there for you to go and read the original exactly exactly because we're talking about adaptation here more often than not there are other media to consume in the same world or the same genre or the same you know whatever it is there's always something more if you don't like something perfectly go and find something that does fit your needs or and this is something that i kind of we do a lot create something that matches your vision Mm. it's obviously ridiculous for people to be like well i'm gonna go make a film on my own and i'm not suggesting that but talk to people that have similar ideas to yourself and talk about the ways the story could be improved and that kind of thing do it in a productive way though in a creative way rather than just ranting on the internet i would totally i would totally agree agree with that i think i have seen a lot of unproductive conversations around period dramas that don't really do very much and don't create conversation it is more of just being annoyed at the way shows are created and things like that and I'm not saying that people can't have those grievances with the way these period dramas are are made, but I also think that life is short. And so it's it's nice to take those elements that you really enjoy and just enjoy them. Just sit there and enjoy them. And the things that you don't like, have a productive, like you were saying, have a productive conversation about the way those things could change. And in a lot of ways, the, the way that happens is I see people go, oh, well, I really didn't like, you know, this element and this element. And someone says, oh, well, if you liked this, but you, you didn't like this, I've got a book series for you. Yeah. Or I've got another show for you. Yeah. And um, like Br- Bridgerton, speaking of that, uh, you know, I've read all of the, the Bridgerton series books and I wanted to, to read a new Regency thing the other day. So I downloaded one of her books from audible and it just wasn't as good it just wasn't and so i didn't um uh julia quinn the 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 author um it was another 
series and I was like it's just not as good and so I was like okay well I'll try a different author so I did and an author named uh, Mary Balog um, I'll have to look up the series but it's the same exact kind of premise where it is a full Regency family and I think there's maybe eight si siblings in it there's a lot of things in Bridgerton that I was like eh about that in this series I have found more enjoyable but I, I could get those different elements from different stories from different writers and still go both of these people are talented both of these people brought characters that I really enjoyed both of these people created very similar things and and yet I can enjoy both so I I think being able to have those kinds of conversations with other people or reading things that that are similar that do tick some of those boxes is much better than just getting frustrated and not being able to do anything about it yeah and I guess in some ways because we're both writers one of our first inclinations is always to imagine how would we do this how would we do it differently how would we um improve it and and we have a lot of writer friends you know we both went to university and we did creative writing and we have a lot of writers who are friends and and so we can all talk about that and we do regularly talk <laughs> about how things could be improved in, in our opinions and things and i guess if if there are people out there who are unhappy with the new Emma or with certain aspects of a show Sanditon. Sanditon. and and if they don't have that creative background I guess I could see how it would be frustrating for them to know that they don't like it enough but not to know how they would fix it you know it's the same as me if I see something wrong with the house and I see like a crack in the wall I go well, that's frustrating and I know they can't do anything about it because we rent it would be you know it's the same thing of seeing a problem in in a in a media thing that you like and not knowing how to fix it has got to be frustrating so you know I can see both sides to it I guess I just get grumpy when there are people online griping about things for no reason it well, seems and there like. is that wider conversation of like sometimes opportunities are given to people that shouldn't be the ones making the shows whereas other people don't get those opportunities and so that is frustrating too that's a wider kind of conversation of like certain shows get get made that never should have gotten made because somebody's got a big name to it whereas another show that would have been amazing didn't get a second season or what you know those sorts of things happen all the time and that's that's a wider conversation but if we're just talking about you know what we can do now and how we can consume things in a in a way that's in, enjoyable and that doesn't stress our lives out because these things are meant to be enjoyable shows like yeah. Bridgerton are meant to be enjoyable because the world is burning so if, if there's ways that we can find that we can enjoy these things and still be like frustrated with certain aspects then like that's the healthy way around it that's the balanced way mm-hmm so now on to our history moment, which I think this one's a really fun one. So the history moment here is I'm going to talk about Silence Do Good, which is kind of a form of a Lady Whistledown. And if that name sounds familiar to you, it's probably because you watched the National Treasure films in the early 2000s with Nicolas Cage. And when he goes into... Uh, I can't remember, maybe um, Freedom Hall in Philadelphia. I think that's the building. And he sees those letters and he gets like a code out of those letters. Yeah. Um, those were the silence do good letters, which were written. Oh, no way. <laughs> yeah. Which were written by uh, Benjamin Franklin. 
So the 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 printing press situation was so much different, obviously, um, back in the Regency era than it was have it today. You would have had a, a printing press um, that would have made like these small pamphlets or or kind of newspaper like things that they uh, would print out in mass and then they would be sent out. The news would slowly get out to everybody in the town. So everything was by paper. You know, you couldn't just open up your phone and get instant news. But that also meant that there was way more anonymity back then than there would have been today. So it was so much easier for a lady whistle down to exist um, because there was probably loads of people that were writing articles in the paper that you had no idea who they even really were. For Silence Do Good, she was a widow who was written by, I think, 17-year-old Benjamin Franklin at the time. So he wrote as this kind of middle-aged, older widow who had these wise quips, and she talked about some political aspects. But really, it was just this 17-year-old boy who had a column in his brother's newspaper. Benjamin Franklin's brother owned a printing press in, in Pennsylvania. Benjamin Franklin was just a lowly apprentice at the time. And so similar to kind of Lady Whistledown's situation, he would send these different columns to the newspaper anonymously. I think the first time he did it, his his brother thought it was kind of this really interesting thing. This older widow had these really funny sayings that they wanted to put in. And so reading through Benjamin Franklin's autobiography, he was quite impressed with himself. Like, he the way he kind of talks about it in his autobiography is that he was like oh look you know I was kind of being beat down by my brother I think in some ways sometimes physically his brother was not nice to him and he was barely making any money and I don't know how much his brother brother thought he was really capable of success those sorts of things and here he was writing this very popular column and nobody knew and I think for him that was a really satisfying thing um, so similar to Lady Whistledown, Silence Duguid wrote things that could sway people's opinions towards different events. So when Franklin's brother got jailed for three weeks uh, for publishing material that was unflattering to the, the governor at the time in 1722, Benjamin Franklin took over the newspaper and then had uh, Miss Duguid proclaim Without freedom of thought, there can be no such thing as wisdom and no such thing as public liberty without freedom of speech. So he was kind of advocating for his brother and advocating for freedom of speech at that time in a different identity than a 17-year-old boy, which he knew he wouldn't be kind of seen as an authority figure at the time, but a wiser, older woman would be. And so... Obviously, Silence Do Good wasn't kind of the gossip bringer that Lady Whistledown was. It's a very similar kind of, of concept that it's, it's this older woman that gives her opinions on local society and judges everyone around them. And then people sit around and kind of go, hmm, interesting. Well, what is Silence Do Good saying this time around? What is Lady Whistledown saying this time around? So clearly th this kind of like Lady Whistledown anonymous columnist, it's, it's worked through the ages. And nowadays we only really see that through kind of like uh, Dear Emily columns. I can't remember the name of it. Dear... Dr. Deirdre. 
Yeah, yeah. Th- those ones where you ask somebody and somebody ask somebody a- advice on your day-to-day life and they give give you feedback on it. Um, we don't really see a completely made-up person writing full-on columns or newspapers anymore like it would have been with Lady, Lady Whistledown. Clearly, th- those sorts of things worked. And Benjamin Franklin writing like writing as silence do good swayed certain people's opinions on the governor at the time that was a very like political movement that he he could get on on board with at the time through a different identity so i just think it's really interesting to have those kind of real life examples and um yeah the fact well, that it was done through benjamin franklin yeah really cool so we're going to wrap up here thank you so much for listening to this episode of Regency Rumors. Just as a reminder, we are going to be away for the next two weeks. We're really sad about that, but we don't have a, a traveling studio to to go with us. And uh, unfortunately, uh, the podcast is not our job. So it's something that we do when we're able to do it. And we just thank you for listening when able, whenever we're able to upload so we will be back in june to wrap up bridgerton and we've got some special episodes so uh keep up with us in the future we've got some really good historical episodes coming up because as we said we have a couple of guests who are real historians because we i just pretend well i'm just pretend um you're a real historian i'm an aspiring you're a real historian oh thank you so um yeah pay attention to those they'll come up in your feeds in about a month's time (laughs) (laughs) so sorry guys but we love you bye bye